1: Welcome to this week's episode of Zach on Film. Joining me, like always, is Steven Schleicher. Hello, Zach. Stephen, my memory might not be great tonight, apparently. Why not? I don't know. Apparently, I just completely blanked about how we usually start the show. <laughs> and it's okay. only like five words. That's okay. This week, we are talking about Spotlight, Yeah, mm-hmm. a film that originally came out in November in theaters. Mm-hmm. I think it made its debut at the Venice Film Festival uh, before they were doing some stuff. Yeah, in September,
0: it was the Venice Film Festival. Yeah. yeah.
1: Uh, but nationwide in November... Uh, Spotlight is a uh, takes place mainly in 2001 and it, it is about Walter Robinson and his investigative journalism team from the Boston Globe and their team is called Spotlight. Right. And they start uh, by the behest of their new editor start looking into some allegations regarding the Catholic Church that by the time they're done would pretty much rock the church and kind of the whole world about what they would find uh, was happening with these priests in Boston and then over the entire world. Right. Uh, it's a pretty intense story. Uh, it stars uh, Michael Keaton as Walter Robinson, Marco uh, Mark Ruffalo as uh, Michael Resendez, uh, mm-hmm. Amy McAdams, and... I remember down the third guy's name. I never seen him before in a film. Had you ever seen?
0: Leave um, uh, Leave Sh- L- Schreiber, no.
1: Uh, no, I was thinking Brian James. Isn't wasn't he the last person on their team?
0: Uh yeah, I don't remember. Um yeah S- I Stanley Tucci, John Slattery, Leave Schreiber, Rachel McAdams, Michael McKe- Michael mm-hmm. Keaton, and Mark Ruffalo. I mean, That's that's who the main lists are. The, yeah. the 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 that other member of the team is not really in there that much no. although he has kind of what i think is one of the more interesting aspects of a character because he finds out that one of the houses that are what are they called reform houses or whatever yeah, that these priests like that. are being uh, tucked away in is just around the corner from his mm-hmm. house and that kind of freaks him out right. quite a bit and creates this dilemma of well, what do i do do i tell my neighbors do it because mm-hmm. if i tell my neighbors then it's going to be out before our story breaks right and that's really what you know this is a Very interesting uh, story about the media and -hmm. how they deal with situations investigative journalism and some of the pressures that get put on them when they're doing something that is intense and as controversial as this. Mm -hmm. Um, Yeah,
1: That's definitely a plot point played throughout Spotlight is when is the right time to break the story, right. making sure you get everything and it's not thrown under the rug, mm-hmm. but then trying to protect the people that are being harmed, mm-hmm. mainly little kids, mm-hmm. throughout uh, this pre molestation scandal. And it is, I mean, from pretty much from the very beginning, they start looking into this to the, almost one of the last shots of the entire movie. That idea of when is the right time to get this, because if we don't, you know, if they they originally they start investigating this story and they find they get they pretty much mark down one priest. Like we got it. We got this priest. We're good. And the editor's like, no, we need the institution. We, understand, we need to figure out the scope of this whole thing. And so I mean mm-hmm. they, they're battling through that the entire time. And it keeps going, I think, up to the very end of the film, when Mark Ruffalo is talking with his lawyer at the end and uh, he's about ready to go interview two kids who came forward. Uh, like, right before the story, they let the story out, and they had only been, I believe, three weeks before that, they had right. been molested by a priest, and they had right. information way before then mm-hmm. that would have happened that could have stopped, and you can kind of see it on Ruffalo's face, that the understanding of... Yeah. It's kind of on them. Oh, yeah. In a way. mm mm-hmm. Which is definitely... I think Michael Keaton, I think everyone. That is a overarching theme of the story, which is very interesting. Well, there's a, there's
0: some very interesting moments uh, throughout this entire film that just make you go, hmm, you know, you're just thinking about things. Mm-hmm. Um, you know, one of the most, since we're talking about Michael Keaton's character, one of the things that stands out the most is, you know, he's the head of Spotlight and they've done these incredible investigative journalism pieces and they're allowed anonymity. They can do whatever they want, providing that it's, you know... Uh, worthy of that spotlight title. Mm -hmm. And as they're doing this investigation into uh, Catholic priests molesting uh, children in the the parish, he runs into multiple people, including lawyers who are like, hey man, I sent you this list of 20 names like 20 years ago or however many Mm -hmm. years ago it was. I sent you this list 20 years ago. I tried to tell you 10 years ago or whatever it was. And they don't, the way that it's spelled out in the movie is, these people that are saying, hey, I sent you the list. They're saying Michael Keaton's character interpreted as the Boston Globe. You sent it right. to the Boston Globe. And every time he's like, who, who did you send it to? And everybody's like looking at him mm-hmm. like, what are you talking about? And then, um, you know, towards the end of the movie, we find out that he was on the city desk mm-hmm. when this came in. He was in charge of the city desk when these reports came in and he blanked them out. He does not remember these stories crossing his desk, which mm-hmm. is interesting because he went to, he grew up Catholic and many people in Boston do, mm-hmm. went to Catholic high schools, very involved with a lot of the Catholic charities that, that go on, and it just creates this very um, critical moment for this character. And again, this is all based on on true life, so I don't know how accurate it is to the real mm-hmm. events or not, but it creates this thing of, did I as the Michael Keaton character did I intentionally block this out? Did I not want to report it because I want to believe that these kinds of things are not happening mm-hmm. in in the diocese? Is this is not you know this is something that I don't want to um, acknowledge? Mm-hmm. And so in his mind, he's buried in himself. I was rather surprised that he was the character uh, that I was kind too. of covering things. I don't want to say covering things up, but it's an unintentional covering up of some an, of the they facts. unintentionally
1: buried the story. Yeah, which now that you say that it really clicks that it was him being sent it and then he put it in his own section and got buried because when I initially watched it, it just felt like the editor at the time buried it in their section right, and he right. just didn't pick up on it. Cause they do that early in the film mm-hmm. where like a, a case comes out, like we'll bury it in here so right. no one sees it so we can keep this investigation thing going. Right. Because the movie definitely plays out with that plot line specifically, all these people saying, we sent you All of this information, Mm -hmm. you had information that could have started this. Yeah, a long time ago. I thought, through the way their deputy editor, the Mm Slatery's character, I thought he was protect. I thought someone in the globe was intentionally burying the story the entire time. And that
0: is the nice way that this story is written, because there are several people, and I forget, uh, maybe it is the Slatery character, um where he's constantly like, what, what are you guys working on? What are you guys working on? Like mm-hmm. he's kind of yes. on the inside because one of the first things that happens when, um, live, uh, what's it, how do you say his name? Leave Schreiber. Oh, uh, when he name. starts, when he first starts, uh, as the new editor at the newspaper, mm-hmm. he is in, um, the character's name is Marty Baron. When Marty Baron first starts at the newspaper as their new editor, um, he is the, uh, archbishop, of Boston calls him down mm-hmm. and invites him. He's telling him what a good relationship that the church has with the globe and all these things. And so you're like thinking, OK, so there are a lot of people who are Catholic. This is a very controversial thing. Someone inside the paper could be feeding the church this information if mm-hmm. there were ever problems. You know, if, mm-hmm. oh, hey, the story came up, you know, what do you guys want to respond? This kind of thing. So it really kind of sets up that there is a potential mole inside the organization Mm -hmm. and i really kind of like that drama only to find out that it's like oh it's your own it's your own um perceptions or it's your own belief system that really held this story back and had they acted on this when that first list of names was sent and had michael keaton's character not buried that Mm -hmm. and had maybe not blocked it out or not willing to admit that these things were happening they could have done something a lot sooner Mm -hmm. and i think that's the real kind of you know, you want to look at some of these characters as hero characters, but really they're almost not. It's like, wow. I mean, it's great that you guys did this, but why didn't you do it sooner?
1: Right. Well, that's... I th- I, th- I think uh, Keaton's character brings it up indirectly, but through people outside of spotlight team, really outside the globe, who they interact with, a lot of lawyers and people mm-hmm. uh, in the Boston, you know, s- society. Um, it became very clear Everyone knew this was happening. Right. Many lawyers knew. Right. And they were on the kind of, they were keeping it out of the courts on purpose. Mm -hmm. So none of it was really public. It was Mm -hmm. all being handled and hushed. And people definitely knew. And there's like, I believe one of Keaton's character's friends who said they were at, he confronted them at the Catholic charity. Mm -hmm. And he said something along the lines of, don't ruin this all for a small bunch of bad apples. Right, right.
0: But it's, yeah, the small bunch of bad apples, which when you think about it, though, is actually a large number because oh, yeah. through their investigation, they're like, OK, so we've come up with this list of 87 names. Mm-hmm. And it well, originally starts out as one like, yeah, one and
1: then like 13 mm-hmm. and then 87.
0: But in the process, there's there's a whole lot of interesting things in this. Uh, and again, all based on on facts. But in the process, they're calling someone who had been doing his own investigation, I guess, uh, scholarly research Mm -hmm. into this. I don't know if it's scholarly, but psychiatric uh, work. And he had tried to publish some papers and had been discredited by the the church. And he came up with something to the effect of uh, 6% Mm -hmm. of people are the deviants in in the church. And they ran the numbers and they're like, well, there's 1,500 priests in Boston. Right. They run the numbers and it's like that's ninety priests, and they were like within three of mm-hmm. that of that number, which is frightening. Oh yeah, uh, that that was how accurate that it was.
1: Well, then it gets even essentially more terrifying. Post in like last frame, they mm-hmm. run some of the text to kind of wrap up the story. Mm-hmm. It, well, they is like two hundred and forty-seven. Yeah. in Boston they mm-hmm. eventually found out. Mm-hmm. Like that's nuts. And
0: then they ran also at the end of the movie, they're running. Here are all the places where yeah there have been issues, and there of Kansas City diocese yeah, saw, has been in trouble before. Yeah. Uh, I was what was the other one? I guess uh, something uh, there was another place in Kansas. Oh uh, really? Ca- Caulfield, I think Kansas or. Coffeeville? Coffee, it coffee? Wasn't Coffeyville? Uh, but it, did, it was a C uh, city. Go back and pause that yeah, it's right. You long. have to look because I was like, okay, where are the Kansas City yeah. ones? Uh, and I didn't know if they were going to spell them out specifically or just say Kansas City area or whatever. Yeah. But then I saw that there were two places in Kansas listed mm. in that. Which again, it, when you're looking at those kind of numbers, it's not surprising that the list of cities was not larger. Right, and somewhat relieved that ours was not listed.
1: Yeah. on that list, um, of course. But then it brings up the. <clears throat> On some level, yeah. did they get everything? Right. Is this right. culture of suppressing information right. and, still prevalent and, and still happening?
0: And, and so, well, yeah, it's obviously still happening. Still happening. I mean, yeah. Uh, but the other flip side to that that I found interesting was the law aspect of it. So the church, the client, let's just say, or the accused, mm-hmm. wants to settle quietly, which Mm -hmm. is something you can do in the law. You can, I mean, look at what's happening currently with Bill Cosby and how Mm -hmm. he's settled with all these people over the years so it would stay out of the press, so it would stay out of the court system. That's exactly what the the church is doing. very rich people do. Yeah. And so they're hiring lawyers. And because of the way the law is structured in these settlements where you can't talk about it, Mm -hmm. the lawyers are prohibited from saying anything Mm -hmm. or else they run the risk of losing their right. license. mm-hmm. They're licensed They'll be disbarred. And so there's that conflict with it. And then you tie into the fact that the uh, Michael Keaton's care uh, friend mm-hmm. who he finally who's been representing the the church all this time. You know, there's that added uh, layer of I need to be faithful to my faith and to my church mm-hmm. and see them as infallible. So, you know, I'm going to do these things to protect my belief system mm-hmm. which again and there's so many complicated la- uh, layers even uh, rachel mcadams character is conflicted because her mother her grandmother is super religious and mm-hmm. goes to church and she wants to have a good relationship with her gr- her grandmother and of course that's put in jeopardy is, is is a conflict
1: right yeah it's a it is an aspect of the story that is very important because everyone on spotlight they all grew up Catholic. Mm-hmm. Almost everyone in Boston is Catholic. Mm-hmm. I mean, that's one of the freaky things about the story, essentially, is when they go out in the public and they're right. trying to people, there's always these giant Catholic church oh, yeah. in the background. That
0: was the nice—I really like that a lot, especially—I mean, you don't think of Boston as a big city. I mean, it is a huge city. Mm-hmm. But it's like every time they go out, they intentionally shot it so that there was— a church in the Mm -hmm. background so that you could see this looming presence and not, you know, it wasn't just like a small church.
1: I mean, these are are huge,
0: (laughs) these huge cathedral type churches just Mm -hmm. looming over these small neighborhoods and really uh, hitting home the presence that the church has in that community. And you hear many of the victims are talking about why they allowed it to happen, how, you know, how they felt intimidated or felt like that was, okay to let it happen Mm -hmm. at a young age so it's it's really it's really interesting i mean every single character has some kind of conflict and i think when you're telling a story like this and again based on true events we don't know the exacts of everything
1: i would like to think we know that there was i've read that mm -hmm. it's pretty close because they had all of like the reporters on set Mm -hmm. a lot of the time when they were filming okay so because i know like ruffalo would go over and he would have the actual reporter like speak Ruffalo would have him speak his lines so uh, he can okay. mimic him really well. And okay. So I was reading some stuff like that. Um, but yeah, I really enjoyed um, when Mark Ruffalo's character, Michael Rosendez, is kind of breaks down towards the end where it's just becoming too much. And him and Rachel McAdams' character, who is uh, Sasha Pfeiffer, mm-hmm. um, are having, like, a beer on the back porch. Mm-hmm. And she's talking about how she stopped going to church with her grandma because right. it's just been too much. And right. he starts talking about how when he was young, he went to church, but then he stopped going. Mm-hmm. But he said he always thought when he would get older, he would go back to church. He said he always kept it in his back pocket. Right. And he would eventually be going to church. But now it's just like he couldn't. But even that reporter... Who they who they never really they never you never see him he's always talking through the phone mm-hmm. they ask him like how do you reconcile us by still going to the church and he said like my faith is in the internal, but right. this like I can't handle like these people it's just, it's a very interesting conflict
0: yeah and and I think that they kind of i mean this movie is telling the story of how these reporters undercover to corruption mm-hmm. at no point I don't think that the Intent of the film is to say, look how evil the Catholic Church is. And that's something that they danced around very nicely, I think, in the film. Yeah. uh, Where they're not just saying, look at how awful the Catholic Church is and people shouldn't have this kind of faith or this Mm -hmm. kind of religion because of these things are happening. And you're right in that in that one exchange. They do talk about how I can still have my faith and still recognize that there are problems.
1: Right, which is something that is very hard to do when you're talking about something as personal as faith, that Mm -hmm. it's hard to kind of separate the system from the belief. Um, But in in this instance, you have to kind of think... Well, the thing about the Catholic faith is is it's so much more different than, like, Protestantism, where you have a father, which is like this... Oh this holy figure mm-hmm. essentially where mm-hmm. and then they're the one perpetrating the issues. Right. Which just brings us and they've touched on this throughout the film, it's such a different aspect and then talking about how each one of the, the priest is covering up for another priest, mm-hmm. essentially. Because mm-hmm. I think I was reading a comment where someone said the priest would confess to another priest, right? So he wouldn't have to do it in public or anything, right? And they, they would feel absolved of mm-hmm. what they did, and mm-hmm. the priest would just not say anything. Confession is just so weird. It is. It's very you know, right? strange. And it, and it, <laughs> I mean, that's the kind of the thing that brought up this whole thing is that they would just keep yeah. it, and they were fine with it. Yeah. Well, they, even the the one of the most interesting parts. I thought, is when Rachel McAdams' character is going around interviewing oh, yeah. victims and mm-hmm. she comes to one of the old uh, priest house. Right. And he, the level of unremorsefulness and yeah. just understanding that what he did was borderline fine.
0: Yeah, so in this scene, she they're going around, they're trying to find the reports on this on this priest, the, the of one of the priests on the list, and they're trying to find these things and find out if this really happened. So Rachel McAdams' character is going around interviewing potential victims or uh, vic- people that could be connected with this priest, and she goes up to this door, and the door is answered by the priest that she's looking for. Mm-hmm. And she. it's a really freaky moment, because it's like, here I'm confronting a child molester, mm-hmm. and she says, well, did you do this? And he's just like, yeah, I did it. And it's, you know, it happens, and it's, you know, and the weird justification that this priest has in this conversation with her about, you know, hey, it's OK that this happened. It's it's perfectly natural. It's one of these things. Mm-hmm. And then, of course, the sister comes in and chews her away. And then there's this realization that he lives three doors down from a school. Mm-hmm. And, you know, is this thing continuing? And it, it continues to hit on this. We are on a deadline if we're going to cover this. There are you know, there are people at risk more and more and more. Mm-hmm. And I really like that kind of tension of when are they going to get this done? When are they going to have the the final piece that they need to to finish the story and to open it up? And then what are going to be the repercussions of it? Mm-hmm. The one that the other thing that's the, the other thing that I was surprised they didn't play it up more in the movie. But again. This movie is not about a faith bashing uh in a in, you know it's 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 not and and I, I, and I personally know. and I've talked before about it, I have problems with religion and everything. Sure. But this movie is not a faith bashing piece. No. But uh Liv Schreiber's character who is mm-hmm. Jewish is in charge of this and on the first day that he's in the paper he's like so what's going on with these uh Catholic uh molestation things you guys should cover this. This should be more important than the cop story that you guys are working on. Mm-hmm. And I'm really surprised that more people have not jumped on it. Maybe this happened in real life and not uh, in the movie, but it's like, oh, here's the Jew coming in oh, to yeah. uh, ruin the Catholics and all this stuff for persecution over the years. And this is get back and all this. They didn't really bring that up. And it was totally a legitimate argument that someone in the church could have made even the lawyer um, for the church, not the lawyer, but the uh, friend of the church. um Played by the guy who's on uh, Law and Order all the time, I forget. It. Or I'm sorry, CSI. The guy that was on CSI. Mm-hmm. Um, that that was not brought up. I think they hinted at it. And of course, the head of the um, the archdiocese is trying to convert him yeah. into Catholicism, <laughs> in
1: yeah.
0: which is which is really weird. But <laughs> not, maybe not. I mean, you should always be proselytizing yeah, and that sure. kind of stuff. So, but I just there were so many conflicts going on in the characters that I found it super super fascinating. And this is a great. Here's, here's the thing. Mm-hmm. This is a very, very good movie, and I liked yeah. it a lot. And I watched it because I'd seen Mark Ruffalo, I think, over the summer when he was shooting this, was tweeting like every day about things that were going on oh, really? on the set or in the church. And, you know, he's very – he's a, he's an activist. He's very uh, um, not afraid to shy away from, from different topics, mm-hmm. whether it be what's going on in Flint, Michigan or wherever else. Uh, so I was like, okay, yeah, this will be interesting. But – um a very, very good movie. But it is. If you think about it, a relatively boring movie because oh, yes. and and I'm halfway through this movie when I was watching it. And I was like, oh, you know, this reminds me exactly of all the president's men
1: mm-hmm.
0: with Robert Redford and Dustin Hoffman about the Watergate mm-hmm. uh, scandal and the break in and their coverage of that material. And so I like, and so this weekend I went back and I watched all the oh, president's cool. men again, which, again, is a fantastic yeah, it's movie. Really it's a lot of fun to see. But again, there are similarities in that a lot of these conversations between Woodward and Bernstein and the and the um, uh, reporters of Spotlight is we're having phone conversations. Mm-hmm. And how do you make phone conversations interesting? How do you make? And so it really boils down to the words and the dialogue and the story they're telling mm. to where you can have someone having a phone conversation for five minutes with Mark Ruffalo's character as he's in his dirty little apartment and... It's fascinating, and it's intense, and it's,
1: it's very good. Yeah, I, when I was first watching it, I go, man, this is got to pick up, because this is, yeah, yeah, yeah. this is just drudging along. It
0: feels like it, doesn't it? I mean, yeah, at first it's, it's like, oh, man, this is going to be boring, and then suddenly you're like, oh, wait, they're starting to put the clues together.
1: Yes, and that's what I thought. I was like, it's kind of... The pacing of the film, I thought, matched them building the story, which upon reflection was really nice. But when you're in the middle of it, and by the middle of it, I mean like the beginning of it, you're like, just something has Mm got to happen. Mm -hmm. You've got to start discovering stuff. But then it starts built, like the number of as the number of priests starts to grow in, they start checking all this stuff. It gets really intense. I I saw a review say you'll never see a more uh, intense scene of people just. Looking through lines of old books, yeah, yeah, yeah. just screaming through lines. But like, oh, it's good.
0: If, if you have not watched All the President's Men, and I think you mm-hmm. said you watched it several years ago. So it's yeah, been four it's been or five while. years ago. Yeah. Sit down and watch that again, because these two films, All the President's Men and Spotlight are almost mirrors of each other, because really? as they're going through the Catholic uh, directory mm-hmm. to find out where people are located, there's a whole scene in All the President's Men where they're doing the exact same thing with this list of the um, uh, the committee to reelect. Mm-hmm. and they're just going through all these mm-hmm. lists of people and finding commonalities and finding out what room numbers there are and offices they are so they can kind of piece together where the organization is so many similarities between the two movies mm-hmm. it's and it's not just because these are stories about newspapers that broke really big pieces mm-hmm. it's because of the way that it's filmed the way it's shot the way it's presented it's like i said this could be an this could be the modern version of or the mm-hmm. new version of all the president's men mm-hmm. and uh, i think for those of you who have uh watched Spotlight and you've never seen All the President's Men, you should take some time after this podcast is over and make a point to sit down and watch that movie.
1: Yeah, yeah, it's a it's a very good film. And uh both the director Tom McCarthy and the director of photography for Spotlight both mentioned that film oh, did as they? an okay. inspiration mm-hmm. or Either in the look or just the Mm -hmm. the feel Mm -hmm. of the film uh, as they went in to make spotlight.
0: Yeah, because there's some really nice tracking shots in this Mm -hmm. movie where you start in in, uh, Michael Keaton's office, which is it's I mean, it's all part of a a larger room. So you figure there's a a, a bullpen area uh, or a pit writer's pit where our four main writers are, four main reporters are. And then you have Michael Keaton's office just off to the side of that, but it's got an open door and a window. But you'll start in his office and you'll start to pull out. And as you're pulling out, then you have McAdams and Ruffalo's character having some dialogue. And then as you pull out further, you get the other two uh, reporters having some dialogue and Mm -hmm. conversations back and forth. And it's just really powerful how they can make something as interesting as an office conversation, how they can choreograph that from a visual standpoint mm-hmm. to make it super interesting. And then again, the the constant um, exterior shots with the church in the background mm-hmm. is super well done.
1: Yeah. Uh, this film, oh, sorry. Uh, the cinematography for Spotlight is very underplayed. Mm-hmm. Um, I believe uh, the director of photography said that their intention for the filming of this was to not uh, obstruct the viewer with the camera so they could right. watch performances play out, right. to not do anything too much. Mm-hmm. So they could just, and it's beautiful. Like, it's just a, kind of a straightforward yeah. shooting. And they, there were some really good moves. I think there's a, there's a steady cam shot mm-hmm. uh, when one of the reporters realizes that Safe house for the priest essentially, yeah, right around the, the block. Yeah, and he just he follows runs, them out. Yeah, yeah that's it's a great
0: it's, shot. There are some really long shots in this piece, which, mm-hmm. again, when you're looking at, and it's no wonder that you have so many of these actors up for awards. Yeah. Um Rachel well, McAdams well, is uh, just won the Outstanding Performance by a Female Actor in a Supporting Role. Yeah, Outstanding Performance of Cast. They for won it, yeah. 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 Um, the when you're looking at how. Good someone is as an actor, how are they in their long takes, right? Mm -hmm. I mean, when you have a super long two and a half minute piece where someone's in, granted, he doesn't have any dialogue during that scene, but when he's running down the stairs, going out the door, running up the street, walking around, and comes to this realization that, holy crap, this is literally three doors down and three doors up from my house, from my Mm -hmm. kids, and that reaction on his face is just, wow, that's really good. Or when you have these long shots where characters like, um, Michael Keaton and the uh the lawyer friend of his that went to school together. Mm-hmm. When you have those long dialogue scenes play out where they're discussing what are you really trying to get at? What can you tell? What can you not tell? Why are you covering this up? Why are you not covering this up? It's, it's really really good acting. And and really it looks like most of the awards that this is getting is is a lot of on the acting side.
1: Yeah. I I think one of the best scenes that shows their the ability to act Captured on the camera is they're talking to their source who's been mm-hmm. doing the thing, and mm-hmm. they start in on the phone him talking, and they slowly pull out for the whole spotlight yeah, room, yeah. and they don't like the four report reporters that don't talk from almost any mm-hmm. of it, and they're just kind of soaking all of this in. And yeah. just the room kind of engulfs them, and mm-hmm. how much they're trying to. Mm-hmm. It is it is wonderful. Yeah,
0: I like the I like that they did a lot of those long takes. I like that they really put together a good ensemble mm-hmm. of of good actors here. Even the lawyer that's representing. Uh, The victims uh, played by Stanley Tucci. Yeah, he's really good. Man, he's really good in this in this movie, and just just from the performance of the actors. I mean, we've been talking before about where do these films fall, and you know, The Revenant. After I saw that, I was like, Oh my god, this is such a great movie. And then I watched The Spotlight, and I was like, Oh my god, this is such a great movie. And it's like, you know, how do you? It's really tough if you have to look at these films and say which one of the two is better. On the one hand, you have a solo film. Mm -hmm. That has a lot of really drama, good character development, even though he's not saying a whole lot. Mm -hmm. So he has to be very reactive and very emotional through the piece. And then you've got an ensemble piece where everyone has an important part to play. Both are shot wonderfully. Mm -hmm. Both are superbly edited. Mm
1: -hmm.
0: How do you pick, you know, which one is best? And then, I I, I mean, I know a lot of people are still gaga over um, uh, the big short, but I still don't see that as a as a contender here, but a lot of people are like, oh yeah, it's one of the best movies of the year. I'm like, I don't well, see you know,
1: it. I watched, uh, on Sunday, right before I watched Spotlight, I watched the Danish girl, uh, over in the art theater, over in Salina. And that movie was wonderful with great performances. Again, very, I think like in, in a, in a spectrum between, uh, the Revenant and Spotlight somewhere, probably closer to spotlight yeah. but not as simplistic lies the danish girl and it's still like incredibly well shot mm-hmm. it's just like i don't know like i i was i mean for a long time i've been saying the Revenant. at least uh, leonardo DiCaprio was gonna win the oscar for his yeah. performance and i think he still might just oh, because yeah, of yeah. the years before right but like michael keaton his performance Again, in this film is wonderful i think it's better than Birdman. Bird, oh i agree and uh eddie redmayne's performance in Mm -hmm. danish girl was amazing and so now i actually like get to see a lot of these
0: danish girls uh, she's up for best actress is that what she's up for it's not best picture
1: isn't that for best Picture? well eddie redmayne's up for best actor i think oh okay and then i think his co-star is up for best supporting oh okay
0: okay because this year we have the big short bridge of spies which is out on itunes but we haven't seen that yet Uh, Brooklyn, which is still in theaters, which is not... Oh, yeah, I haven't seen it. Haven't seen that. Mad Max Fury Road. The Martian, which I thought was going to be the big winner. Yeah, I don't think it's going to be. The Revenant, Room,
1: uh, and Spotlight. That's going to get a lot of stuff.
0: And I'm just... We have not seen two of these, three of these movies. And I kind of want to see the other... I I, I for sure want to see Bridge of Spies.
1: Yeah, I've been really... Waiting for room to come out on iTunes, but it's been kind of a slow burn.
0: Yeah. And same way with Brooklyn, too. Now, that yeah. one looks like an interesting uh, tale as well, but it's like, wow, I did not think I was like spotlight. Okay. So it's about newspapers, blah, blah, blah. It can't be super interesting. Well, um, so I, I, you know, I'm going to put that further down on the list. Mm-hmm. The Martian has a lot of personal one on one, kind of like the Revenant does, yeah. but holy crap, I think the Revenant blows the Martian out of the water. Yeah. And so it becomes very, um, it's, it's hard to figure out where these sit. Now, you know, when it comes to would Spotlight win, uh, if I compare this to All the President's Men mm-hmm. and we look at All the President's Men from the Academy Awards perspective, All the President's Men was one, two, three, four, five, six, seven, eight categories. Best Art Direction, which it won. Best Director, which it was nominated for. Best Editing, nominated. Best Picture, nominated. It won for Best Adapted Screenplay, which Spotlight is up for mm-hmm. a screenplay uh, award, which I yeah. think it will definitely win that. Uh, All the President's Men won for Best Sound, which, holy crap, again, there's some fantastic oh, sound the editing in that. Man, that so good. Uh, it won for Jason Robards for Best Supporting Actor, who was the um, head of the, um, he was the editor of the newspaper, right. uh, Bradley. And then, of course, in uh, this movie, we have, uh, in Spotlight, we have the guy from Mad Men, who is yeah. the. Um, like the deputy editor. He's the he is. deputy editor yeah. of the newspaper. Uh, so, you know, you could you could get it there. And then finally, it was. Uh, uh, Jane Alexander was Best Supporting Actress in uh, All the President's Men mm-hmm. on the Academy Awards side, And I could see Rachel McAdams really winning on Best Supporting Actress, yeah, if she's nominated. I don't know if I she's nominated if she or not. So
1: if Her performance is really great. Yeah. Um, yeah, it is a film that I didn't really know much about until maybe like the Golden Globes. Mm-hmm. And I started really kind of... Barely paying it where I knew what it was at that point. I was like, oh, I looked it up and like, oh, this is what it's about. I never really heard of it, which I still don't feel like it's getting a lot of press. Spotlight. Yeah. So this Has was a story that came not. out
0: in 2001. Right. And there have been these kind of ebb and flow stories about these revelations that go on in the Catholic Church and molestations yeah. and those kinds of things. I vaguely remember in 2001 this being a big thing, but I was way on the West Coast at that time. And uh, so sure. those kinds of things were probably not fully on my radar and especially then when I moved back in 2001 2002 to here not super high on my radar to Mm -hmm. be paying attention to that stuff so I probably missed it but I seem to remember that there was a big controversy going on about that time and a lot of big people had or not a lot of big people but a lot of people had signed up with lawsuits and that there were these questions and investigations this is a story that did uncover a lot Mm -hmm. and it did expose a lot of the things that were going on in the church and Sometimes it takes time for these things to have a bigger fallout, and quite possibly a movie like Spotlight could have brought more of this stuff back to the surface today. Because you sent me an, uh, a link uh, to a story today. Oh yeah. And what was that story about? Uh,
1: that story was because Pope, the Pope, when Spotlight took place, the actual mm-hmm. story in two thousand one was Pope John Paul II. Um, now we have Pope Francis, right? Who people see as more kind of a progressive. Mm-hmm. He is. He has been made. Uh, this molestation stuff, one of his top priorities and just kind of put a task force together to try to get this out of the church. And just today when we were recording, um, a news report came out that his little task force about this made it mandatory that if a priest learns of any of these allegations, they now have to take it to the police and not just handle it outside of the law Mm -hmm. they have to actually take it to the police now oh good yeah good so it's it's still but so it's like and maybe because I was really young when this happened but like it's still like an incredibly important story to get out there and mm-hmm. I just don't know if like it's like is this going to get pushed under the rug kind of like this story overall
0: probably I mean and that's the reason why some of these movies are important uh, same way with all the president's men yeah while we kind of knew that there were these two reporters going around investigating a Watergate break-in how it eventually led to the president resigning mm-hmm is really important. And a lot of people don't know this story, how spotlight did their invest investigation and followed the leads and everything to come up and break this story. Also very big that people don't know about. And I think mm-hmm. telling that story brings that back into the spotlight. I forget when all the president's men came out in, uh, 78. So this mm-hmm. is uh, two or three, uh, two or three years after, uh, Nixon's resignation. So, um, this is the same thing, right? Mm-hmm. It's like 10 years after this happened, let's tell the story maybe this will prompt some change and now that there is a new pope yeah. maybe he can affect change he is a very um um of the people kind of yeah. of pope it appears to be yeah so maybe that does affect change and maybe that does cause people to start questioning things again because unfortunately as you know you said you don't remember it well now right. it's on your radar it yeah. was on my right ra- i mean it was something that i kind of remember happening but it didn't really affect me that much. Is, now that more people are aware of it and mm-hmm. we have to have a whole new generation of people see sure. these things. That's the whole point of Zach on film. Watch these films that you've never yeah. seen before yeah. and then you have a greater appreciation and understanding of where things are going and why things are happening. Mm-hmm. I think the same thing happening here. If people know what's going on and we bring it up time and time again, all these younger people or all this new generation of people will be made aware of it and start to question and start to do things.
1: And I think this one is important because especially where we grow up, or where I grew up especially, is a very German Catholic area where everyone in my Mm -hmm. high school pretty much went to a Catholic church. Yeah, which
0: was the flip side of me. I was like me and three other people were (laughs) Catholic in my high
1: school. (laughs) Um, What I remember of this is not the breaking, but probably five years later, where it was like a joke, like, oh, you were an altar boy. I bet the priest touched you. Which is really like messed up. When yeah, now yeah. that I'm older and can reflect on, I'm like, this was yeah, a huge why didn't the ch- scandal yeah, yeah. that we pretty much just made a joke right. out of. Right. And so it like it's hopefully because I was just floored. When mm-hmm. I was born. Like I cannot believe when all those cities came up mm-hmm. and the different countries. Mm-hmm. I was like, could not believe. it. I was like, well, hopefully this becomes more of a thing because it, you're, t- you're talking about a global organization right. with incredible power right. that gets into people's lives. Let's make sure we're doing something about this or at least being aware and probably not joking about it because that's horrible.
0: Yeah, yeah. Uh, so Rachel McAdams is up for Best Supporting Actress uh, or Actress in a Supporting Role. Jennifer Jason Lee from Hateful Eight is in there, which I thought she did a fantastic mm-hmm. job. And again, I haven't seen the other other three actresses yet, so I don't know... You don't know how they sit, but I'm I'm really kind of torn because I thought Jennifer Jason Lee did a fantastic job in mm-hmm. Hateful Eight, but then also Rachel McAdams has <laughs> got a great great performance in this. So it's like, it's super tough. I would not want to be a voting member of the Academy this year because at, at first it just seemed, oh, yeah, this is cut and dry. Boom, 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 boom. Right, right, right. But Then when you actually sit down and watch these, it's like, holy crap, man.
1: Yeah, it's really easy for us to make all these picks because we never get to film, so we just watch all the trailers. I'm like, oh, sure, that's yeah, yeah. what's going to win. <laughs> yeah. And then we actually actually get to watch them four months after everyone else. We're like, yeah. Oh, now yeah, I yeah. see what they're saying. Yep. Um, is this up for cinematography as well?
0: Let me look here. Cinematography, it is not. Oh, that's uh, so cinematography, we have Carol. Uh, we okay. have the Hateful Eight, Mad Max: Fury Road, Sicario, which I watched uh, yeah, that a that. couple of weeks ago. It's pretty intense. Yeah. Um. It's got some interesting cinematography, but I don't know if I. It would probably be in the in the bottom part of the okay. list of of winners. I think if we were looking at, we talked a little bit about Carol before and how they were trying to replicate that time period and using the film stocks and everything. Hateful Eight, I think, is really well done, but it is like a stage play.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Mad Max is fantastic from the yeah. cinematography side, and so is The Revenant. So if I were to look at those two,
1: yeah, it's gonna be one of those. You know,
0: too. we're. I think from the spectacle side of it, I think Mad Max Fury Road will win. Mm. But there's something about The Revenant that is very well done. And using, you know, whereas Mad Max Fury Road kind of just embraces the chaos, The Revenant kind of says, here's nature and let's let nature embrace the film. Mm -hmm. Mm -hmm. So I don't know. It's, I still would probably want to put it on The Revenant.
1: So speaking of the cinematography, I was reading an interview with the director of photography. um, And originally he and the director were wanting to shoot film. For this. They ended up shooting digital with the artist. For Alexa. this, for Spotlight. Yeah, for Spotlight. Yeah. Um, the reason they said they ended up not shooting on film, because they kind of wanted to replicate the look of 2001, what you mm-hmm. kind of would have filmed on. Mm-hmm. Um, the reason they did is because they were filming up in Toronto, and there wasn't enough film Oh, film processing. stock? Yeah, oh. well, they couldn't get it. Pr- they had to send it out to Montreal. They said to process it, so then they would have been running on delays on their dailies. They mm-hmm. couldn't have gotten back and forth enough, so mm-hmm. they ended up shooting... Like, digital, just out of ease of being able to block oh, sure, sure. everything. Yeah. So I was like, well, that's really interesting. Because I started thinking about I was like, people, film in, the film is going down because people aren't using it. Right. And then people want to use it, but they can't because there's not enough places to mm-hmm. actually process the film. Mm-hmm. And so then it just continues to like, snowball down. I never really thought about I always thought like the cost of film when you look at it, but I never thought about, it. you actually have to send it off to get it, yeah. you know, processed yeah. so you can actually look at your dailies. There's like a huge time delay. Yes. Essentially trying to like make sure oh, yeah. you That's it.
0: usually you're watching them the next day. Yeah. Um, or the end of the next day from the day before. Everything mm-hmm. you shot the day before, you're watching at the end of the next day. And there are some fantastic stories about some, some of the great movies. I want to say Taxi Driver was one. I forget, but uh, a new production assistant has all these, Reels a film, gets in a cab to take the stuff to have it processed, falls asleep in the cab, wakes up, isn't really paying attention, leaves like two rolls of film behind. <gasps> and how he has to spend the night essentially tracking down that film so they can get to the processor and get it done in time. Oh so, yeah, it's, it's interesting. Uh, you know, it is that extra level of what in my mind makes video nice as you have instant replay. So mm-hmm. you can see if you got the take, you don't have to worry about, oh man, we missed the take or the camera moved or something. in that takes, and now we have to go back and reshoot that again, where yeah. you can just look instant replay. Now, of course they've had video taps for years where you can see essentially what the camera is seeing basically mm-hmm. off the IPs. There's a little video unit that runs off okay, to yep. the monitors and everything. So you get an idea of what is being seen through the viewfinder but you're still not knowing what is going to film. Mm -hmm. Was the gate dirty? That's why you're always checking the gate. Was the film accidentally exposed? Was there something else wrong with the film? Mm -hmm. You don't know that stuff until it's done. So you can look at a video playback and you go, okay, yeah, that looks good. I think we got it, but you won't know until you get the, the, the negative back Mm -hmm. to know if it's actually finally done with shooting video. What you see is what you get. Right. So unless there's a corrupt data at some point going forward, you know that what you've seen on the monitor is what the camera recorded. Mm-hmm. So there are some of those pros and cons, but you know. And
1: they were also talking about um, their digital intermediary color, where the their colorist was, gave the cinematographer a LUT, which is a lookup table. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Uh, so they can kind of put a essentially kind of like a color yeah. filter over top of it. Um, so then they can pretty much have like a fairly basic color correct with yes. you know uh, a color scheme on top of the footage they're actually shooting and mm-hmm. watching so it's like even more speeding up the entire process of kind of getting a right. better idea of what kind of the final look will be
0: yeah today lots are really cool I mean yeah. so a lookup table is essentially um, you're shooting in a format called raw which is um, trying to maximize the Pixel's capability Mm -hmm. of capturing light. So in your home video cameras, you have something that is very contrasty where you don't have uh, a great separation between your dark areas and your light areas. So when you shoot in camera raw, or you're you're really shooting. And when you look at this, it looks super washed out. It looks almost Mm -hmm. gray and really washed out when you shoot in raw. And then you apply a lookup table, which is meant to emulate a specific look of a film stock or a specific camera. Mm -hmm. And then you apply that and it instantly... Makes it look usable. Yeah. Not that you can't edit um, raw footage, but yeah. it now looks like something that oh, this was shot on an, on an re or this was a shot on Kodachrome or whatever that you're right. wanting to emulate. And you can go online and you can find all sorts of LUTs. LUTs are neat to play with, but if you're looking at LUTs uh, and you're like, oh, I'll just slap this on top of my footage that I've already shot, <laughs> yeah. you need to make sure that you're shooting in raw first mm-hmm. in order to do that and i've shot some stuff raw on my gopros for example uh mm-hmm. we'll shoot raw uh i've not really had super great success in just dropping on a LUT mm-hmm. and going i mean i can see what people are the doing fact. with them but for me i just go in i'm like okay let me just color correct this on my own and yeah. get the look that i'm looking for by going in and doing the color correction uh one of the things obviously that would help if you're shooting raw is to shoot a um um, a color card, which mm-hmm. is basically all the colors. Mm-hmm. And then you just go in and you match those up based on the look that you want. And you can get something that way, but LUTs are the you know, super simple yeah, process. Cool. Yeah, yeah, yeah.
1: Yeah. Yeah. A lot of them. Uh, I just remember being at NAB last year and they were all like, well, you shoot in your S log and then you yeah, have yeah. this, your, your digital external video. And then when you just punch in all your LUTs and it's like, Oh my God, like, oh, well, that's pretty cool. Yeah,
0: yeah, it is. I remember, um, way a long time ago, this was like in 2001, I was working on a book and I was like, okay, well one of the chapters that I want to write about is making your video look like film. Mm-hmm. And I remember looking at all the S curves and everything that you see on various film stocks and trying to say, okay, well how do I emulate that in video and working really hard? In fact, I had a weird conversation with um, one of the film technicians at Kodak mm-hmm. because I was like, I'm trying help me understand this. How can I make this look like this in in video and he's like well you can't there's no way to emulate that and i was like no there has to be a way where you could just take your rgb curves and align them correctly with this no 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 that's totally not how it's going to work and what happens like five years later people are coming out with oh all you have to do is follow this s curve and Mm -hmm. and do all this stuff and i was like god dang it i've been doing this (laughs) stuff five years before everyone else and it's and it's really kind of neat to see things that i was working on like five years ago it's Mm -hmm. like not, not five years ago like Fifteen years ago, now <laughs> are now just a normal everyday part of oh, it. Yeah. Uh, yeah. So yeah, it's it's cool. Lookup tables are neat to really get a, an interesting look on your on your film. And I'm glad they were able to do this because again, yeah. that gives you the idea while you're shooting: is this lit right? Is this mm-hmm. lit the way that we want it to look on the final piece in the final frame? And mm-hmm. being able to do that is fantastic.
1: Uh, the DOP said they pretty much used a lot of Panavision Prime lenses. Uh, but they also used a couple zoom lenses. And did you notice, I, I read some, and they did, he said they did a couple subtle zooms in on like Michael Keaton. And I don't even remember. He said I would have to go movie. back and watch and see specifically yeah. for zooms. But, yeah, he said uh, they kind of tried to downplay him but just trying to edge in yeah. for emotion. But he said there's a couple of zooms like at the end, which huh. I just completely did not notice I, at all. The
0: only one that I would know, the only one that maybe has stood out and I'd have to go back and look is I thought when... Rachel McAdams' character handed him the newspaper clipping that they pushed in on that, but mm. I thought it was an actual push, push not a yeah. Zoom, and it could have been a Zoom, but yeah. maybe it was Yeah, because a... he
1: listed like three different Zoom lenses they used, hmm. and he kind of gave it a couple examples, but I just like totally didn't remember. Fantastic. So that was very interesting. Yeah. Um, what else did I have for him? He, oh, he also just right before he did uh, this film, he did that Black Mass film with Johnny Depps, who's also oh, right, shooting in Boston for that. Yeah. I haven't either, so it was really interesting. He probably got a lot of out of Boston oh yeah uh, yeah and um, uh, the script for Spotlight was blacklisted in 2013 which uh, if anyone doesn't know what the blacklist is it's just this list of scripts that are kind of all thought as to be some of the best scripts in Hollywood but no one's actually making that film at that time so that was about in 2013 so I mean that script has kind of been sitting around for a while
0: yeah there's if you haven't there's also a podcast you might want to listen to called the blacklist oh yeah And what they're doing is they're going in and they're getting these scripts and they're actually doing kind of like a radio drama of the script. They're actually reading through the script, Uh but they have real actors reading for the, for the actors. And then when it comes to the parentheticals or the director notes, they have a voiceover reading that information. So you're listening to the film, but it's a film that hasn't been produced. And then, so they'll do one or two episodes that that are the film. And then they'll do an episode where they talk with the scriptwriter about uh, their process cool. and everything on that. So it's really fascinating. Yeah. And I don't know if there's any of those. And I've only started listening maybe in the last month or two. Mm-hmm. Um, but I don't know if there's any of those that have ever come out of being on that blacklist into actual production like Spotlight though. So it's it's worth checking out. It's it's something different to listen to. Yeah, it's cool. Yeah.
1: Uh, so overall, pretty happy with Spotlight. I it, was really happy with it. I mean,
0: I. Yeah, it did. Because I was like, oh, God, I just saw the big short not Mm -hmm. too long ago. And this feels like another one of those. And I'm not interested in another one of those. And then I said, "Okay, I'm going to watch. I didn't even watch it on the home theater. I was like, let me just sit here on the computer and watch it. And I was just like, whoa, this is way too good. Mm -hmm. And like immediately after I was like, whoa, this is a spotlight is a really good movie. I tweeted that out and it's 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 really good it's one of the best films of the year
1: yeah i agree it was i was watching it's like oh my god i have to make people watch this movie because (laughs) it's so i think it's almost it's so understatedly good right where it's not all up in your face kind of like i think the revenant was very upfront about kind of how good it was Mm -hmm, like you could understand mm -hmm. how amazing it was by watching it yeah but this one you get to the end and you're like oh man that is the best one of the best things <laughs> yeah, yeah uh yeah so i was just absolutely uh impressed with spotlight uh next week though we we'll gonna talking about another movie you've been excited about for a while that has finally made its way to mm-hmm. itunes what is that
0: is it trembo is that where we're watching Trumbo, next time yeah oh, man, yeah, i yeah. cannot wait it just came out this week actually i think they said it was available monday i think is when oh, it was yeah. available but Uh, Yeah, I want to watch Trumbo. I want to see that so bad. I was almost watching it last night, but I was like, I've got too much work to do. (laughs) Um, But it's like, yeah, I think we definitely should be watching Trumbo for next week. It's up for the best, best actor for, um, um, uh, Walter White. Uh, Walter White uh, is up for best actor is. on that, Brian Cranston. Yeah, Brian Cranston. <laughs> and I really want to see this movie. I'm hoping that it, because we have watched Ben-Hur, mm-hmm. which is a movie that Trumbo wrote under a different name when he was being black, uh, when he was on the blacklist. Mm-hmm. Uh, and so this is the story of that man who wrote that, who won an Academy Award without being able to accept the Academy Award <laughs> for that because he was a Nazi, or not a Nazi, he was a, a, a communist sympathizer. Mm-hmm. And so let's see about this dark period of... Um, of Hollywood and there is, uh, let me, let me pull up this other podcast that I'm listening to. There's okay. a couple of them. Um, a new episode just came out. Let's see podcasts. I think it's, um, Oh, okay. So the blacklist, it's called the blacklist table reads okay. is the, is the one that I was just talking about.
1: Mm-hmm.
0: Then we have, uh, it's not hardcore Hollywood.
1: So the one with like the eight hour long. Episodes.
0: No, that one, that one is a, that one is definitely something you should listen to. I think he started doing one. He's doing his new one is on Warner brothers. Uh, yeah. And so they finished that and it was just leading up to that time period. But I think he just did one. Gosh, there've been a couple of them where they've been talking about how Hollywood during the black, the blacklist period. Mm-hmm. And one of them is, You know, how did Hollywood wind up becoming the target of of communist uh, witch hunts? And there's a really good podcast that talks about that. I don't think it was lore. Pretty sure it wasn't lore. I've added so much to my to my (laughs) list. I should have had this. Sorry, I I didn't (laughs) know we were going in that direction. No. Um, Oh, the secret history, the secret history of Hollywood is the one where uh, that's the really long one.
1: That was the one you told me. It's like yeah, an yeah. eight-hour one about mm-hmm, uh, mm-hmm. Uh, Hitchcock, right?
0: Yeah. Ah, I cannot find this other one, but it's um, another one that's narrated by female female uh, producer. She's really great at it. Limetown, I think. No, is it Limetown? Maybe it's Lime. No, I don't know. I'm going to have to go back. Sorry, everybody. <laughs> I'll, I'll have to go back. I'll, I'll talk about it next week so that you guys okay. can listen to it. But it, they're really great looks at hollywood during this time period mm-hmm. and it really fills in a lot of information like you know all of a sudden during this one period uh, the government was coming to Hollywood and saying, please make these movies about how communism is actually a good thing or socialism is a good yeah, thing. Sure. And so they started doing all these films about <laughs> socialism. And then suddenly after the war, they're like, oh, no, the Russians are our enemy. Now you, Hollywood, are responsible for this. And it's like, well, we're just doing what you guys asked us to do. So it was really, really interesting. I'll mention them next week Okay, when we do Trumbo.
1: Yes. Next week we will be doing Trumbo. In the meantime, head over to Majorspoilers.com where you could comment in uh, in the podcast posting page on your thoughts about Spotlight, if you've seen the film, get into those comment sections and talk about how much you probably loved it or how much you didn't like it. Uh, give your thoughts about that. Why you're at Majorspoilers.com, uh, click on that Amazon.com link. We will be able to buy probably the book of Spotlight. Uh, any other films that came out this year, they're already on Blu-ray. So many good ones have came out. It's uh, not going to cost you any extra when you use that Amazon.com link at Majorspoilers, but a little bit we will come back to Majorspoilers to help keep this podcast news entertainment conglomerate going week after week after week so next week we'll be back with trumbo on zach on film This copyright two thousand sixteen by Major Spoilers Entertainment, LLC, pulling up to Mickey D's just for drinks.